will be in several different passages. We'll start in Proverbs, Proverbs 21. We're looking at planning your life God's way. It's a, a book here that Dr. Tim Berry wrote, our missionary to the Philippines, and uh, this has been a great help as we're just looking to see how God would teach us through his word concerning knowing his will and uh, being able to plan our life in accordance with it. All right, well, we come to chapter 8, which is dealing with uh, putting feet to our prayers. Chapter 7 was to pray, and now chapter 8, put feet to our prayers. And we start with Proverbs 21 and verse 5. The Bible says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. But of everyone that is hasty, only to want. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. Uh, so as we, as we think about prayer, sometimes if we're not careful, we can become passive. Uh, because when you think of prayer, it, it's not a very active activity generally, unless you pray on the treadmill, which I do. Uh, I read my Bible, believe it or not, or listen to sermons or listen to preaching and uh, the, the, the scripture. I'll do quite a bit of praying on the treadmill. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Now, I do get beyond that as well. Uh, Lord, help this person, that person, whatever. Um, but usually, you know, you don't, we don't think of prayer as a very active thing. Um, uh, we, we think of, okay, we're taking these things to the Lord, and now the Lord has to do something with it. Uh, but we don't want to slip into passivity when we pray. Uh, prayer actually is active. It's very active. Active faith, active uh, uh, prayer in regards to his promises, active engaged in what's going on in our world and the needs of others, uh, and most importantly, active as we are listening to him. While we're praying, we're also listening and active to be able to act upon act in faith concerning what God is leading us to do. We need to make sure when we pray that we don't slip into passivity. Well, I just gave it to God and now there's nothing I can do. No, we need to trust him. So what does it mean to pray for wisdom? Well, remember, uh, wisdom comes to those who pray for it and then uh, go searching for the wisdom that God promised to give. And remember that process we talked about last uh, two weeks ago, I, I, I guess it was. Well, we'll review some of that in a moment, but first, Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs 2, we're in 21, go back to Proverbs 2, verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Why all this work? That sounds like work, doesn't it? I mean, what is all this about receiving his words and inclining our ear and applying our heart and cry after knowledge and, and seek and search? I'd rather just pray about it. I liked chapter 7 way better than chapter 8. Well, the two go together. There's the prayer for wisdom, and then there is the faith-filled action that comes out of that prayer. And, uh, and uh, you know, as a, as a parent, I relate to this. I may pray, 
for wisdom in child rearing. And what do you do when you're at your wit's end and you're, you're not breaking through with this particular kid or you're losing it with all the kids and, oh, we, we've got to get somewhere and you get to prayer. You're praying, Lord, help me. Give me wisdom in child rearing. Well, if you really were earnest about it, you're not done with that prayer. After the prayer, you're searching the scriptures. After the prayer, maybe you are calling the person that you think is the best parent that you know, okay? Uh, a good Christian parent, uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, older and wiser and so forth. And, and you're, you're trying to put things together because you prayed for wisdom and you expect God to give you wisdom. And now because you expect that, you're going out to get it. You're going out to receive it. You're trusting God to guide you. You're going to the Word. I said, Lord, give me wisdom. And so now I'm going to the Word expecting you to give me wisdom. We don't just pray for wisdom and then sit back and do nothing. No, there needs to be a going out after it. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Uh, so again, the idea of doing, not just asking for wisdom because again isn't james 1 5 this is the passage where it says if you don't have wisdom ask for it and then just a few verses later be doers be active engaged in the law of god in the word of god quote from the book here quickly uh, remember a prayer for wisdom is a prayer that god will give you the information and discernment needed so that the wise choice becomes obvious. We're not just asking God to smack us over the head or send down an envelope from heaven and we open it up, oh, the wise choice, here it is. Uh, no, we're asking him to lead us to the right people, the right information, the right Bible verses uh, to, to, to guide us so that the wise choice becomes obvious. I don't believe that God intends for us to check our brains out and just say, yeah, God's just going to, you're just going to magically give me wisdom. There is a search involved as well, putting feet to our prayers. So what's the plan of attack? What's the basic plan of attack here? Well, first of all, pray for wisdom. Uh, pray for wisdom. We talked about this already. <clears throat> uh, James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and it breedeth not, and it shall be given him. So I don't know how to find God's will. What's the plan for finding God's will on a certain decision? We're going to start with praying for wisdom, because God wants to hear from us. He's not holding out on us. It's us oftentimes who don't go to him. So we start by praying. Number two, take the time to do your research. Gather data and become knowledgeable. Speaking of research in the Word, but it may even be beyond that. We ought to be those individuals who, uh, again, are active by faith. God, I've prayed for wisdom. Now, because I believe you're going to give it to me, I'm going to actively seek. It might sound counterintuitive. I prayed for him to give it to me. Now, what am I doing going around uh, searching for? Well, no, you're, you're, that's your faith acting. I'm going to the Word with expectancy. 
I'm going to godly counsel with expectancy and discernment. I'm getting some firsthand advice from people who are involved in the situation or close to the situation. I'm reading things that are pertaining to the, the decision at hand. I'm, I'm using the resources that are available to me in order to give uh, a, a more opportunity for God to guide me. You know, they say, and it's true, uh, it's easier to guide a moving ship than one that's sitting still. Uh, it's not hard to guide a moving ship. You just turn that rudder and it, and it moves. And I think it's the same with us. We need to put some feet to our prayers. Get godly counsel. Uh, If you're a young person here, you've got parents. uh, And if you're older, you still may have parents that that you value their opinion. Some of you, your parents have passed on. Others of you, maybe you're not close or whatever. But there are people, mentors, individuals in your life that uh, can help you. You know, I as a pastor, I get asked questions all the time of a very practical nature. People come to me about questions concerning the Word of God, absolutely. But actually, believe it or not, more than I get, hey, pastor, what does this particular verse mean? Or something like that. More than that, I get, hey, pastor, I've got this opportunity. And I've got this opportunity. Which one do you think I should do? Or that kind of thing, you know? And I don't like to make people's decisions for you. Number one, I don't want to be responsible for that. Uh, number two, I, I think it's better for you in the long haul if you learn to hear from God so you're not uh, man-dependent. But I do like it when, when people come to me with those kinds of things so we can, we can work together, we can pray together. In the multitude of counselors, uh, there is safety. And it, it's a blessing to be able to point people to certain Scripture passages that might help them on their way. And there are some times where someone comes to me about something and and I do have firsthand knowledge of the situation that maybe it's not a good situation or, or, or whatever. Uh, and again, in the multitude of counselors, the Bible says there is safety. So take the time to do research, gather data, become knowledgeable, get counsel, those kinds of things. A few verses here that can help us. Proverbs 19:2. Also, that the soul be without knowledge, it is good, and he that hasteth uh, with his feet sinneth. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. There we go. It's not good to be without knowledge. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. Uh, Many times we get in a panic over something. We don't wait on the Lord. We don't do our research. We don't take time to pray here. Uh, You know, the whole thing of take time to do research, gather data, become knowledgeable, all that sort of thing. We don't want that. We want shortcuts, so we get hasty. And haste is rarely ever a good thing. So take time, the Bible says. Proverbs 15, 28, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Uh, I really want to focus on that first half of the verse. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Someone says, I need an answer by Friday. Or I need an answer soon. Well, don't panic. Study. Take time. I remember when, I don't even know what it was now, I remember going to a counselor and, and saying, uh, hey, so-and-so wants me to answer them about such-and-such. Such. I don't remember what it was. Like, now! And I don't have an answer. And I was all panicked about it. They were putting pressure on me. And I went to this uh, godly uh, mentor friend of mine. And I said, what do I do? I mean, they're, they're, they, they're putting the screws to me. They want to know, blah, 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 blah. 
And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous studieth the answer. But the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Do they want you to just blab something? Or do they want a righteous answer? He says, you take your time. And you go when you're ready. Oh, that was a very, very helpful thing to me. I relaxed, took a deep breath, and I, I, I took my time and, and got my, my answer. Uh, Proverbs 10, 4, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Same idea. Take some time. Be diligent. Let God lead you as you are being active by faith going forward, looking for the wisdom that you have prayed for. Proverbs 13, 16, every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. If we are prudent, we move forward with knowledge, not folly. And these things take time. We are praying for wisdom, and we're going forward trusting God to give it. Proverbs 15, 14, 15 says, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. How many people have made a decision hastily based on the wrong information? Oh, that stinks every time. Well, the simple believe every word. The prudent is going to sit back and look well to his going and make sure he knows and has verified uh, the information. So number one was pray for wisdom. Number two was take time to do research, gather data, and become knowledgeable. Number three, consider carefully what Scripture says about your decision. Consider carefully what Scripture says about your decision. Now this is a review from uh, a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> but let's go ahead and do that. Let's review. Uh, we learned that we should look at clear and relevant commands. We should look at passages that specifically address the, the, the situations and decisions like ours. Uh, we looked that we should see in the Bible biblical characters, good or bad, in life circumstances comparable to ours. Uh, we should look in the Bible for general principles that should influence our actions. And then we should also look at what is God is teaching, what is God teaching us from our personal time with Him. And hopefully you have a personal time with Him. This is where <clears throat> that personal time really speaks volumes. When a decision comes, I need to make some plans. I want to do it God's way. I don't want to miss God's will. If you've been fellowshipping with Him in His Word, this process is already going to be off on the right foot. If you have been... Uh, away from the table, this could be a, a, definitely a, a bit harder. So let's, let's have that time with the Lord and walk with Him. Don't just, come, don't just come to Him in a crisis for a quick answer. He wants a relationship with you. Again, I mentioned the Urim and the Thummim, that uh, the, the priest had these two stones and they could take out a yes answer or a no answer and God could have given us that today, but he gave us the Holy Spirit instead. And he gave us the completed word of God instead. And through both of those, we have an opportunity to get closer to God than if we just uh, could, could go up to a, a Urim and a Thummim and pull out a quick answer. If that's the way it was, let's just face it, many of us would not be that close with the Lord. We would just want to do our thing, get our quick answer, and be on our way back to my life. God wants you to walk with him and know what is in his word personally. I oftentimes tell people as you're reading the word of God and looking uh, to, to get an answer, take out some paper. I've done this before. 
I hope you've done this. <clears throat> Take out some paper and, and draw a line down the middle of it and have two columns and, and a pros and a cons, all right? And don't just do, I like the weather here, I don't like the weather there. I mean, that, that can go on there, but prioritize the things that you're learning from God's Word. This biblical principle would tend to, 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 to give me a, a pro toward this decision. This biblical principle, eh, that would tend to say that maybe I shouldn't go toward this decision and just put it down on paper. I have oftentimes been so confused and overwhelmed with a certain decision until you start putting it on paper. Uh, I, was, I was told this by uh, one of my professors in Bible college. He said, uh, anxiety causes the stuff in your brain to swirl. And if you can just get the anxiety out of the way and just grab the things in your brain and put it down, you'll find it is way less than you thought. It just seemed like more because it was swirling. And that was so true. Uh, you, you start grabbing things that are swirling and put it on that paper. Grab another thing, put it down, and after a while, you, you, you're out of things. You're like, no, there's got to be at least 30,000 more. I only came up with 13. That's probably all it was but it felt like more. Now you're able to see it, pray over it, and attach biblical principles to these things and begin to get some hard and fast, concrete leadership from the Lord. So let's do this together. The illustration in the book on page 113, he talks about this fella who, who, was, asked, uh, not, uh, yeah, who was asked to take a job in Montana. Uh, hey, that sounds great, right? And so the question is that this guy has is, should I move to Montana? All right, how would we do this? Should I move to Montana? Well, uh, uh, he, he knew that when he did his research, first of all, they loved the climate, they loved the state, they loved the scenery, they loved the land. Uh, she, his wife was a farm girl. They were going to have plenty of land for horses and all this. She loved horses. And uh, he was an outdoorsman and there's hunting and there's all this stuff. It was fishing, lakes, streams. So there was all kinds of awesome stuff and reasons to move to Montana. Nice job, good future. But when he looked for a church, there was no church within driving distance. That's one of the bummers of moving to the boondocks, right? And as he did not feel called to start a church, he said, I think this is, this is, a, this is, a, difficult, this is a difficult thing. Well, the further he got into the interview process, he learned that the job he would be taking in Montana would have him working every Sunday. So not only uh, do they not have a church, but should they have a church that gets started, he can't even attend. He has to work on Sundays. So he went to the scripture. We'll walk through this together. There's the commands, the relevant passages, the biblical characters, general principles, and personal devotions. And, and so he came to the commands, and there's Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Uh, and Hebrews 10:25, Matthew, and there's so many more that could have been here, but these are a couple that he, in, in the book, the guy came to. Uh, and that is, there's the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. What is this whole life about? We're to, to be preaching the gospel. We're to be connected with a local church for the purpose of, of getting the gospel out and being the light to the world and, and nurturing our families. What do we have on the, on the wall here? Exalting Christ, advancing his church, nurturing families, engaging the world. And he said, you know, this is priority number one. If I go to, to Montana, I'm disconnected from this priority. Then there's Hebrews 10.25, which says, you know, as, as the day gets closer, and we see that day coming, we should be meeting more often. 
don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but, uh, but, but more often, I'm not quoting it right, as you see the day approaching, all right? So that was, uh, that was obviously leaning him against going. Then as far as other relevant passages, he went to 1 Corinthians 12, and he saw all of this about the gifts given to individuals within a local church and how those gifts work together and serve and complement one another. His wife had gifts that they used in their church. He had certain gifts that he used in his church, and they served. They were a serving family, and he recognized we're not going to have an outlet for the, the gifts, the spiritual gifts that God's given us. We can't develop them. We can't use them. We can't serve within the church or through the church, and he realized that would be, that would be a, a real problem to him and his kids. Uh, then he looked at biblical characters, and he came up with a lot. <laughs> and Lot, of course, he looked out and took the best of the land. And it was, it was green, and it was, uh, there was plenty of pasture, and great for his cattle, and places to water them, and everything else. It was just the perfect place to raise a family, except for the fact that God was not present. There. I mean, God's present everywhere, but the, the presence of God was not there. there, was, there were, these were not a God-fearing people. And he went there, and he lost his kids. That's the saddest part of the Lot story. He lost his kids and he lost his marriage. And he said, boy, I, I would hate to choose the lush land and go and, and lose my family. And then he, there's other principles that he saw there. Well, yeah, that's the next one. General principles, uh, Ephesians 6, 4, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And he says, of course, I can do that I can do that as a father, but it sure is helpful to be able to do that within the context of the local church. Sure is helpful to have that support, and, and uh, we're working together, are we not, to nurture families? Of course, that's your job, Dad. That's your job, Mom. I'm not going to nurture your family for you. I'm not going to raise your family for you, but I hope I can come alongside and help nurture and help you as you, uh, as you do what God's called you to do. Deuteronomy 6 as well uh, talks about how we should teach the next generation and raise up the next generation. Uh, and then he went to his personal devotions and he went to Psalm 42. And if you know Psalm 42, this is where David is hungering after the next opportunity he has to go into God's house and worship the Lord. The whole thing is just about him thirsting after God. And uh, David loved corporate worship. And he said, boy, I'm going to sure miss that. And what did he do? He ended up not going and not taking that job in Montana. Is there anything wrong with Montana? No. Uh, is, it, is, it, is it a problem for you if you go to Montana? Not necessarily. But for this guy where he was going, there was no church and no opportunity for him to go to church since he was going to be working on Sunday. And he just, he laid it all out, prayed for wisdom, looked at the biblical data as God led and came to a conclusion that that was not the decision that God wanted for him and his family. Do you know how to do this? This process, is it foreign to you? Maybe you do it without thinking about it. Maybe you're not thinking about all of the, you know, point one, point two, point three, or whatever. Uh, but nonetheless, you're thinking in terms of, let's look at the Word of God. Let's look at the commands. Let's look at the principles. Let's look at Bible characters. Let's, let's see what God would have me to do. And I believe that God will definitely lead a prayerful child of His through His Word. 
So number one was pray for wisdom. Number two, take time to do research, gather data, and become knowledgeable. Number three, consider carefully what the Scripture says about your decision. Number four, prayerfully lay all your research and all your Scripture passages before the Lord. Prayerfully lay all your research and Scripture passages before the Lord. Psalm 37.5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. This is where we again have to wait on him. Uh, sometimes it, it, you have all these scripture passages and it's still not crystal clear, but God can give you peace or take away a peace. Uh, and God can, can continue to bring circumstances into your life that will guide you and, and, and direct your steps. What do we often quote? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So many people have this as their life verse or verses Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Trust him. And, and don't lean on your own understanding. Now, that, that's another part of this. As you're doing all this research, as you're asking and getting counsel and so forth, make sure that you're not just trying to figure it all out yourself humanly. Uh, you're not resting completely on, on what you're doing, but you're trusting him to use it to bring you to a place of peace. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And then Proverbs 16:3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. That can take the anxiety out of it. Our thoughts with a big decision can be all over the map. And if we say, no, I, I, I am surrendered to the Lord. I have prayed for wisdom. I'm putting feet to my prayers and I am going out to be diligent and a good steward of my life and my family. And I am trying to be the prudent man who will look out and look down the road and gather data and trust God to to bring me to that wise choice. I'm going to commit all of this to the Lord. I have verses and passages that God has used in my life. Now, Lord, I'm committing this to you. Now, would you establish my thoughts? And he can bring peace. And you should know peace even in this process. And number five. Number five, make plans. <clears throat> uh, make your decisions on the basis of what you have found knowing that God is directing your steps. When we pray for wisdom, sometimes we don't know what we're praying for. We're, we're looking for some mystical zap. Um, and, and it's not. It is, it is a process of getting to know him and his word where he, whereby he, he leads us. Uh, people call it different things. People say, oh, God gave me this sense, or God told me to. Or I just have peace that I should. There's different phrases that people use. Um, uh, the Lord laid it on my heart. Anybody heard that before, right? And, and, and these are, are subjective, right? What, is that, what does he mean by that? Could be a lot of things. But you know, even Nehemiah used a phrase similar. In Nehemiah 7.5, he said, And my God put it into my heart to gather together the nobles and the rulers and the people and, and talks about this genealogy. God put it in my heart. God laid it on my heart. Okay, you know, when you're walking with the Lord and you are submitted, surrendered to the Lord and you are seeking wisdom from him, uh, do you think he just says, no, I'm not going to give it to you? 
No, uh, he, he wants to talk to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. And he can, through his word, give you peace, peace in your heart, peace in your soul that I know what I'm supposed to do. I want to say uh, <clears throat> that I think it's very, very important for, hang on. I hope he was saved. All right, got him. He was bothering me, and so that guy had to go. <clears throat> hey, a little pulpit pounding, and the fly got in the way. What can I say? Uh, all right, back to here. Um, <clears throat> so with this process, I want to encourage parents especially, let your kids in on this. It, it would be a huge, huge mistake for dad to think that seeking the Lord on a big matter is a private matter. So for instance, you come home from work heavy-hearted because uh, the, the, the boss has said, we're transferring you to San Francisco. I'm just, whatever. You, don't, you do not have an option. We're closing down the plant. You're moving to San Francisco. And that's just the way it is. You've got three months. You come home heavy-hearted. Do I do it or do I quit the job? Do I quit the job so we can stay here and, and stay in our schools and stay in our church and, and, and uh, you know, get a new job? That, that, wouldn't that be huge? That'd be a huge thing. You got kids and school and programs and all this. You're going to uproot. If it's God's will, it's going to be great. If it's not God's will, whew. So you come home heavy-hearted and you break it to the wife and you, and you say, what are we going to do? We're going to pray about this and all that. But but I don't want the kids to get scared, and I don't want to shake the kids, so we're just going to leave them out of this whole process. Now, I, I, you've got to be careful how you put it to the kids. But I think it's good to let the kids in on some of these decisions that are, are life-changing and potentially earth-shattering. And I'll just tell you how I was raised. Everyone's raised differently. But I, I know my dad, uh, he wasn't perfect, but... He would let us in on a lot of this stuff. Maybe there were things that he didn't let us in on that I don't know about. And, you know, but it seemed like he let us in on a lot of stuff. We would have uh, time on the couch. We had family devotions oftentimes uh, in, in the living room, couch and so forth. And, and dad would lay things out. And, and it was good because he would, he would tell us kind of his thought process. He would tell us, you know, what God's doing in his heart, how he's going about this and how to seek. And here's some verses and so forth. And, and he would lay it out and he'd be transparent. And I think sometimes parents don't want to feel vulnerable to their kids. And they want to go to their kids with everything's all figured out. Don't worry, mom and dad say everything's all fine. That's not life. It's okay. It's, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Well, I mean, in the, with the Lord, yeah, everything's going to be fine. But your kid has to face life sooner or later. How much better to let him face life with you and walk the road together. And if your kid is eight years old, six years old, five years old, and they don't understand a lot of stuff, well, obviously, keep it on their level. They don't need to know all the details, but bring them in as soon as you can on the process. If they're 16, 18, 20, it would be great for them to really even bear more of a burden. And I saw my dad doing that with me and my brothers as we got older where we'd, we'd be facing a family decision. And now I'm in college and I'm coming up through college and right? I'm in seminary. And dad would say, hey, you know, John, I, I'm, I'm going to do this and this. Well, you know, what, do, what do you think about that? What would you do? You're asking me? Well, what are you asking me for? He wanted, he, I don't know that he wanted so much wisdom from me 
as maybe he wanted me to be a part of it and to be thinking, but what would you do? How would you approach this? And it helped. And, and the, the thing about my dad is he, he rarely made decisions for me. He would make decisions with me. There's a couple times he made decisions for me. Once when I quit my job at Hardee's. I think I've mentioned that before. I quit my job at Hardee's. This place is terrible. There's a horrible boss and ungodly wicked sinners here. You know, and I, I know dad wouldn't want me to vex my righteous soul with this terrible stinking boss anymore who doesn't know the Lord. I'm actually just mad at them, but you know, if they don't know the Lord and you're mad at them, you need to just say they're a wicked sinner and then whatever. So my brother and I, we quit and we walked down Durand Avenue all the way to Calvary Baptist Church in Sturdivant and we, we walked in, dad, Matt and I quit. Before we could give any explanation, he's grabbing his keys, shutting down his computer, walking to the door, come on boys, getting us in the car and he's taking us back to say they didn't quit. Now, he actually did let us quit, but we had to give two weeks' notice. We had to do it right. There was a situation going on. There was a lot of stuff. There was corruption and, and, and this and that. But he wanted us to do it the right way. But he still, in that whole process, talked it, th- talked it through. You don't, you, you don't walk off a job. You, you're going to give him two weeks, and you're going to have a good testimony. You're going to do this right. There's a right way and a wrong way, and so forth. So there's a couple times he just made a decision for us, but usually it was, we were, we were doing this whole thing together, especially when I was in college. And it helped so that I was not handicapped to be able to hear from God on my own when I needed to. Now, my wife and I had an opportunity uh, in evangelism to be able to take kids out on the road with us. And we had uh, Sometimes two teams a year, maybe sometimes three. Yeah, actually it was. Sometimes it was three, three teams a year. That'd be uh, a total of 12 kids because four each time. So 12 college kids would come with us and it was amazing to see the differences. You know, they're raised different ways, different backgrounds. And some of the kids who had some of the best upbringing had one major flaw. They could not make a decision to save their life. The kid off the street who got saved out of drugs and everything else and, 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 and made it to a good church and then ended up at Bible college and then ended up on my team. Oh, decisions, that's what I do. I, we have to, I make a lot of bad decisions, but hey, I made some good, you know, they're, they're, okay. they're, they're okay with that. They can think. But you take some of these kids that come from, like you would say, the best home, the best upbringing, and you take them to, where do we go oftentimes, Subway, Culver's, and we're standing there as all good evangelists take their team to Culver's, you know, I'm trying to raise them right. All right, guys, order what you want, order, order, order what you want. And a kid who's been saved for three years walks up, I want a double deluxe burger with cheese and this and that and the other thing, blah, 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 extra uh, mayo and give me those cheese curds and I'll have a large shake. Perfect. Give it to the good Christian kid over here who was raised in a Baptist home and in church all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of one situation right now. She never did order. We, had, we held up the whole line no, you, you just order for me. Just order for me, please. I, I, I don't, I don't want to order. I, and then we find out she's never ordered before. Her mom has always ordered for her. Always. 
And she was so panicked. I mean, she looked at this thing, and you could just tell it, it glazed over. I'm sure. I'm sure she could not see anything. It's just... She couldn't see anything. And it's interesting. That was a drop in the bucket, right? No big deal. So you can't order a cheeseburger. All right, we'll get through it. But there were other things. There were bigger things. There were other things that happened on that tour. Some decisions that where there was distractions back home and things going on back home and decisions that need to be made and, and, and there was an inability to be able to hear from the Lord and know what in the world I'm supposed to do. So we were able to help quite a bit. I was able to help the, 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 the individual on my team and then also back home a little bit and, and, and try to help them. Hey, we, we've got we've to grow up a little bit here. We've got to be able to take some steps here. And I think parents can help with that now as you're engaging your, your children, especially as they become adult children or just giving them more and more and more and, and walk the road together. Take them into your life. Be transparent. Be vulnerable. When you don't know God's will, that is the time to tell your kids, you know what, I don't know God's will. That's going to give them permission to be able to not know. To be able to say, that's okay, we don't know God's will right now, but now we're going to get after it. We're going to pray for wisdom, we're going to seek the Lord together, there's a process, there's a plan, it's going to be okay. It's okay that we don't know God's will right now, because God's going to show us his will in, 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 in a few moments, in a few days, he's going to lead us. And we can help set them up for the future to know how to hear from God. Uh, at Bible college, you are inundated with options, a ministry options. So, you get done with your freshman year and you're just a freshman you're looking forward to being a sophomore and you're like what am I going to do I've got this huge bill I've got to come back and, and somehow pay off the bill and so I can get back in the fall so you're thinking what job do I do I work and is it paying off and and then you've got someone saying hey will you come on a missions trip you've got someone else saying some pastor saying hey I want you to be an intern doesn't pay very well but I'd like you to be an intern then you've got the college ensemble saying you got a great voice we'd like for you to sing tenor and then you've got uh, maybe another option, uh, totally uh, different, a, a, a job opportunity. And, and you have to, as a freshman, all of a sudden, you've got to figure this out. Well, how much better if we start that process as early as we can? And, and it's not that hard of a process if we're used to being in his word, praying for wisdom, and then knowing how to act on that, how to move forward getting the counsel, getting the research in his word, and, and trusting him for the wisdom that he will provide. Brother Barry says it this way, diligence in planning done in complete dependence upon God is how we, foot, how we put feet to our prayers for wisdom. I'll say it again because I messed that up. Diligence in planning done in complete dependence upon God is how we put feet to our prayers for wisdom. Again, Proverbs 21.5 the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. God does not want us to run ahead of him. God does not want us to take it all on us. He wants us to pray and relax, trust him, but move forward by faith, searching his scriptures, trusting him to give us the wisdom that, he need, that we need to make the wise decision. One caveat, though. Be ready, however, for possible adjustments to even your best laid plans. And this can be frustrating, and this can be confusing. But oftentimes, this is how God leads. 
uh, he, he, uh, he, he gets your attention in one direction, and once you start moving toward that, now you're easier to direct, and then he redirects you slightly over here. And uh, don't feel bad. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian when you started out going to San Francisco and you ended up in San Diego. Uh, just ask the Apostle Paul. He did not always end up exactly where he thought he was going. The Macedonian call and that whole story is an example of that. We are trusting him to lead and guide and direct our steps and, and, uh, and, and he will do it. He will give us wisdom. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to be in your word tonight. I pray that we would put feet to our prayers and that we would know <clears throat> uh, peace and direction from, uh, from your word. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that you would help each of us here to uh, have a, a close walk with you so that we are uh, more in tune with you from the, from the get-go. Help us to teach our kids that they can hear from God, that if you don't know God's will, it not, not, doesn't have to be a scary thing. It, it's a good thing because it's going to draw us closer to him and, and deeper into his word. Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts to want your will and to be surrendered to whatever that is. Lord, would you bless now as we continue in a time of prayer, and we thank you for each one in Jesus' name. Amen.